It is strange to me, um, even after all these years of preaching through the Advent text, the lectionary text, that on the third week of Advent we are talking still about John the Baptizer. Um, It seems that the church should get with the message, right? The world is talking already much about Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus born in the manger. And yet there is great intentional purpose in these scriptures of Advent in order to help us with the proper preparation for understanding what Christmas is. And so we move through these texts with great deliberation and hope to discover once again the story. In Matthew chapter 3, Matthew tells of John the baptizer proclaiming the Messiah who is to come. You remember how he described him. In those days, John the Baptist was appearing in the wilderness of Judea and proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locust and wild honey. Wild honey's okay, but I don't know about the locusts. But you get the sense in which Matthew was telling us this precious prophet who was sharing his message about Jesus. He says, but when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. He stood on the very edge with many people and he preached to them words that they were not prepared to hear. In fact, he offended many, no doubt, by what he said. And not only in religious circles, but he also spoke with such forcefulness that he offended the political elite And Herod was the one that had him put in prison. We don't know exactly the reasons behind his being placed there. But we do know this, that once he was placed in prison, he never left. You know the end of that story. If you don't, I encourage you to look it up. His ending was not very nice. John was in trouble with the law. And Herod had him put in this very dark and confined space. And it was out of that space that John continued to try to see into the future that he believed that God had in store for not only himself and his followers, but for all of Israel. He had prophesied that the Messiah would come. And the words that he used were forceful. I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me, and I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, and his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. When he is in prison, the words that Matthew uses 
to describe the situation are fascinating because it's almost as if he does not know what Jesus is doing, but oh yes, he does know. It says in the second verse here of the 11th chapter, when John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? Now, when the word came back from Jesus, it wasn't as if he did not know. He already knew exactly what Jesus was doing. That's what it says here. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he knew what the Messiah was doing. And Jesus sent back word that what he knew was true. Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind have received their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. And that being the message that came back to John, John's problem all along was, that's not enough. It's not what his idea of the Messiah was going to be. John was in a very dark place emotionally. There was a 16th century mystic in Spain who was known as St. John of the Cross. This poet used a phrase that is applicable to everyone that is seated here. He called a portion of his life the dark night of the soul. And even though it sounds like he's referring to uh, depressive episodes that so many have to deal with in life, this is something that is different because it is not so much emotion-laden as it is spiritually divested of God's presence. This sense that you have been abandoned and that you cannot see any light for the darkness that surrounds your life. I have encountered this in occasions, in other persons, and frankly have known it myself at times as well. I remember meeting a woman in a hospital. Sue had told me that she was in need of a pastoral visit. She happened to be on the floor that Sue was working on. I was but a seminary student. When I knocked on the door, I knew before going into the room that she had cancer and that her days were few. She knew before I came into the room that she was dying of cancer. The doctors and the nurses on the floor knew that she was dying of cancer. When I entered the room, I entered with great naivete. I was beginning to move into a place of pastoral ministry for which I was not trained yet. And I spoke to her words of comfort and she stared me down. And I can still remember 
her scathing comment, Jesus did not even know the pain that I have right now. I didn't know what to do with that. And so I backed out the door having said a prayer for her in my heart. And that's all. What do you do with such darkness? This is exactly what Jesus was dealing with. In John the baptizer, nonetheless in John the baptizer. Have you ever heard that spiritual, sometimes I feel like a motherless child a long way from home? You and I greet each other in such kind ways that it finally begins to mean so very little. How you doing? We say, fine, fine. How you doing? How you doing? Fine. Doing just fine. It is the rare soul that will stop that progression of words and say, frankly, I'm not doing very well at all. I remember having heard that President Johnson, I think it was, was so tired of the greetings at state parties at the White House that he made it a part of his evening with dignitaries that were gathered there to say to several, and particularly to one man who had just greeted him with, how are you, Mr. President? He said to this man, he said, I killed my mother-in-law yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking that the man would not hear what he had said, might not even understand in English what he had said. But the man looked at him and said, well, I'm sure she had it coming. (laughs) We, We must be honest with each other in those moments where others are speaking to us that would understand the brokenness of our lives. See, this is the beauty of the church that Christ has given us. The knowledge that we don't come here in our perfection, we come here in our brokenness, in our brokenness. John had entered a place of great darkness. This is not so much a Christmas message, is it? It is an Advent message that we are hearing today. If you have not experienced this darkness, oh, I hate to even mention it at this time of year, but if you have not experienced this darkness, you will experience it. It is a part of our human condition. And it is a part of why God came to earth. Experiencing the absence of God 
is part of the beginning of the journey toward the peace that we find knowing that he has abandoned his heaven in order to come and be with us here and to share in our sorrow and our pain and our need. Last Sunday, I was not in town. I had gone to Macon, Georgia, to provide assistance. Our oldest daughter, Margaret, called and she said, my college roommate is getting married. Would you mind going and babysitting Ruby? I said, when and where? (laughs) And we enjoyed the weekend with Ruby as Margaret was participating in that wedding. On Sunday, Sue and I went to worship with my brother, who is the pastor of Centenary Church. Uh, It is the United Methodist Church directly across the road from Mercer University in Macon, if you know that city. And when I told him that we were going to be there, He said, oh, wonderful. He said, of course, dad is going to be here too. He said, let's the three of us serve communion together. It was absolutely overwhelming to me. Uh, My dad was at the point of tears. I was at the point of tears and Tim too as well. As we shared together in that moment in his sanctuary. As I was there, I remembered that there was a cross on the wall in the sanctuary that an artist had helped the congregation put together just a few years back. The cross is made of plaster and it is adorned with some mosaic tile around the edge, but all in the central part of the cross are things that people from the congregation brought to church as a representation of the brokenness of their lives. In that cross, you will see shards of glass. You will see pages of the Bible. You will, one woman, one woman actually gave her wedding rings to be placed in the cross as a sign of the loss of her spouse. When you look up at that cross, if you don't know what you're seeing, it means nothing. But if you're a member of that congregation and you look at that cross, you see your brokenness in it. What a powerful image it is. Do you remember that Jesus, when he was dying on the cross, quoted scripture, but it was the scripture that he chose that was so powerful. From Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you remember that? Do you understand that that even Jesus, in his place, entered into the brokenness of life and was at a very dark place just as all of us 
have or will experience in life. I encourage you to look toward God in your brokenness because in looking is the beginning of peace that only he can bring. And this is what we celebrate in Christmas. That this child's so vulnerable, so small, so fragile, is the very essence, the very embodiment of this God who gives up all to be with us and show us the way. Where are you in your present misery? Are you in prison even right now? God loves you. and wants to tell you that even if you don't see darkness, even if you don't see light, it does not mean that it is not there.